What's up, tribe? As you can see, we're running around, running this podcast together without Richie, uh, but we are absolutely crushing, and we're very excited about today's discussion. Uh, It's very, very important that people understand this. Anyway, first and foremost, if this is your first time joining the podcast, then allow me to introduce us. My name is Yanni Bormeister, and across the table from me is Rad Bormeister, my brother, and uh, usually with Richie behind the mix and, uh, uh, and sometimes Phil, our resident physio around the table, who's coming back just before Christmas, we are Unity Gym and the Unify Movement System where we take driven people and turn them into athletes. We allow people to or empower people to, to discover their inner athlete. Now, big warm welcome to everyone on the podcast. Uh, big, big shout out to everybody catching the replay on YouTube. If you haven't already, smash that like button. It does support the channel. Let us know in the comments section what you think about today's discussion. Uh, very, very warm welcome to those joining us live from the UMS Movement Mastermind Facebook group. If you haven't already, get yourself over there. I want to give a special shout out to the 45 or 50 new people to the UMS Online Coaching. They've taken the uh, Black Friday, Cyber Monday offer locked in a lifetime discount that is not going to come around again until next year. Uh, Well done, congratulations, you guys are in for a treat, you're on a journey, we're gonna have our first group coaching call this Friday uh, to formally welcome everyone to the group, it's very, very exciting times. Good morning Joseph, good morning Christy, if you're on the live stream, let us know who you are, where you're tuning in from, and uh, we'll get this cranking, so today, Today's discussion is off the back and continuing on the How to Become a Better Athlete series. Uh, this is our what we call our um, advanced um, uh, section of our, uh, of our content strategy for the podcast. Uh, we're gonna, we, we go a little bit deeper into discussion that is maybe more suited to people who have been training for a little while, but uh, it, it is definitely, there's a lot of insight and lessons here, especially today's show, because as we were talking about yesterday, Rad and I had a great discussion about the the movement of fads into the fitness industry. The the uh, uh, most um, specifically the concept of uh, functional training, you know, and, and and functional training in our belief is is what we do here. But it it has gone it has been taken a whole lot further. And just to give you a very very brief reminder about yesterday's discussion, we talked about the two key sort of main observations of this functional training movement was that people lost track of what the purposes of the gym and the training arena were uh, in comparison to competition or sport. And uh, we started to try to mimic uh, sporting movements inside the gym under load. The classic example we used yesterday was the golf swing or a, uh, a surfboard balancing on BOSU balls, stuff like that. Uh, people, people trying to squat on fit balls to develop balance, and uh, and what was what, what was sort of found was that it just didn't have any carryover to the real world. Uh, the gym and training is all about um, uh, developing strength, and we're going to go deep into that tomorrow. The role of a personal trainer or a strength coach, uh, a sports exercise scientist, uh, and uh, we also talked about the <laughs> the the second observation was that people started to like try to combine exercises, you know, and the classic example, and I, Rad and I seriously saw this in big mainstream gyms, personal trainers getting their clients to do 
um, an isolated movement, like a like a, a an assisted machine, like a leg extension or a leg press, and at the same time give them a set of dumbbells to do a shoulder press or something like that, you know. And and uh, another example that Rad used was the um, the push press, like a squat press uh, with dumbbells, you know, thinking, oh well, that's better time management. You're, you're working both ends of your body at the same time. What what was really discovered or what was known all along by by good coaches is that you're, you're diminishing the the return on each of those movements and and you know if you're training for strength then just do one at a time and you'll get a much better result so that's what we talked about yesterday today we're going to talk about the biggest roadblock the biggest hurdle to strength development and flexibility development is uh and 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 for argument's sake for the purposes of this discussion when we say strength development let's just assume that we're talking about strength and flexibility because we believe that true strength cannot be achieved in the absence of mobility and flexibility and vice versa true flexibility cannot be achieved in the absence of strength so we're going to couple them together at unity gym and in the unified movement system they're always trained at a one-to-one ratio we're never developing strength without also developing flexibility and mobility and uh and so when we talk about strength development today just assume that we're also talking about flexibility development what do you think red yeah for sure absolutely it's a good discussion and something that I think, um, well, you'll get a lot out of if you if you really apply this. And it's something that if you're new to the world of exercise and fitness, and when I say new, I mean, you know, less than a couple of years of training, probably of good training where you've been working with different coaches and seeing what's out there, or at least working with one good coach. Um, so if you're not in that category, if you are what we call new, then it's really, really hard to understand what it is that delivers the biggest uh, bang for your buck with your time. You know, if you've got an hour to train every day, what can you do in that hour that's going to give you the greatest result? And, you know, for that reason where a lot of people go wrong is and, um, you know, they look to YouTube or Instagram or social media. It's what we all do these days. And they look at people that have the capabilities that we want and we see what they're doing and think, well, that's what I should do. And that's what we want to talk about today. We want to talk about how wrong that approach is. It really is. And the reason why, you know, to get this started is that when you see, you know, somebody on Instagram that is, you know, really buff and that or, or you know, so let's say you're either looking at somebody that's got an amazing physique and you're thinking, I want to look like that. Or you're looking at somebody that's super strong, that's either bench pressing or deadlifting some crazy weight or that's, uh, you know, doing some amazing feats of strength with calisthenics or you're looking at somebody that's really, really flexible or doing acrobatics or whatever. And often what they post on Instagram, it's all about getting the likes. It's all about getting the, the views. You know, that's, um, that's what we do when we use social media for business. We, there's an element of that we have to think, what, what's going to make people want to look at this and what's going to make people engage with it? And that's not the stuff that you do in your training. It's not the stuff that you do to, to, to get yourself there most of the time. There's certain people that we follow where every day they're posting a new exercise, a new workout, a new this. And, and um, I don't it's, know. It's, it's, uh, the ones I notice the most are the <clears throat> sequences of movements, the sequences of exercises, you know, as though uh, it's not a good workout unless every exercise is done in one sequence. Yeah. And then you just repeat that over and over again. And sometimes they use external weight like kettlebells and things like that. Other times not, but most of the time they're misusing the equipment. They're balancing on kettlebells. You know, mm. the classic example I've seen a lot of lately is 
you know, I saw a guy, a really fit dude that I just happened to follow on Insta because I wanted to see what he was doing. And he's got hundreds of thousands of followers, maybe millions of followers. And he had, he was balancing his toes on two hex dumbbells and doing push-ups on two kettlebells, mm. you know. And I, so essentially his whole body was off, um, elevated off the ground because his feet were on the, on the vertical standing, upright standing um, dumbbells and his hands were on the upright standing kettlebells. And I'm sitting there going like, what is the benefit of doing that? Except yeah. that it looks tricky and a little bit harder, you know? And some people might argue, oh, well, there's a, there's, a, there's a balance element to that. Yeah, and that balance element creates a level of complexity that diminishes the amount of push-ups you can do. Mm. So you're no longer developing true strength in the push-up. Yeah. And guess what? That balance element carries over to zero, nothing. You get good balancing on dumbbells and kettlebells, and the only thing you're good at is, is balancing on dumbbells and kettlebells, you know? Uh, there is a small element of the rotator cuff that's going to work a little bit harder uh, because it's having to stabilize in the shoulders on those kettlebells. But, you know, if you want to train the rotator cuff, and this is what a good strength coach would tell you, train the rotator cuff. Focus on that. There's mm. better ways of doing it. Yeah, you course. know, yeah. if you want to train the push-up, train the push-up. Yep. There's better ways of doing it too, yep. you know. Christy's saying here she's guilty of falling for the P90X. Oh, response, muscle confusion. In response to the question of the day, have you fallen victim to a fat exercise trend? Christy, we'd love to know, uh, what was it about P90X that, that got you? What was it that made you think, yeah, this is going to be good from their marketing? Um, I'd love to know. What they're marketing a beast. So just before you go any further, Christy, don't feel don't feel ashamed. They no, were, I just want to know. know. They got a billion-dollar um, uh, evaluation a couple of years ago. They are the first fitness business to hit a billion-dollar valuation. They're yeah. a unicorn fitness business. Uh, you know, which is a which is a hu huge testament to their marketing. Yeah. You know, yeah. But I want to know what was it that about their value proposition that made you say yes, I want to do this, and um, how did you go? What, yeah. what 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 changes did you notice? What made you feel that you wanted to move on to the next thing, um, and that that wasn't for you? I'd be really interested to know. I yeah. just want to quickly um, read out uh, question of the day for those on YouTube and uh, anyone else watching. Yeah, um, have you ever fallen victim to a fad exercise trend? Uh, I have myself. I got heavily into the the, the Paul Check Golf Biomechanics mm. course, and I used to teach that to everybody at uh, at the gym ten years ago, fifteen years ago, and uh, and you know <coughs> there was elements of it that were great. But there are there were many elements of it that just had no scientific backing behind it, and uh, and it just fizzled out, and 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 no one does it anymore. And anyone who went really deep into that Czech practitioner pathway, um, they kind of didn't do very well in the end, you no. know, because it was all kind of debunked and and uh, and or it just didn't really go anywhere. It's been around. Know? It's been around for long enough now that we can clearly see that there's no one outperforming everybody else from doing that style of training only. Mm. There's no one. But there's people that do powerlifting that are outperforming everybody else. There's people that do Olympic lifting that are outperforming everybody else. There's people that are doing yep. the UMS that are outperforming everybody else. Yep. So, you know, there's these, yeah, these fad things come and go. And, and we should say, we should make it really, really clear. Um, we've never ever had anybody say this to us before, but just in case anybody's thinking it, 
If you might think that what we do is a fad, it absolutely isn't, and I'll tell you why. We haven't created anything new. We haven't we haven't gone back to the drawing board and gone, let's do something different for the sake of being different, which in all honesty, uh, without having ever met the guy that created P90X, I can almost guarantee you that's what he would have done. He would have mm. said, I want to make something new for the sake of being new so that we stand out from the crowd. We didn't do that. We actually continually came back around to, well, hang on a minute, why are we doing it this way when we know that the most effective way to develop strength that's been proven for decades is using, for example, squats, barbells, you know, deadlifts, bench presses, all that stuff. So all we've done with the UMS is basically, the, like the whole reason why the UMS even exists is because we just kept trying to find a more efficient way to become strong and flexible. And we stumbled across a way that nobody's doing which is to combine what we learned from flexibility training and what we learned from strength training into the same workouts and that's what makes it um, revolutionary but it isn't a fad it isn't like we're doing something new and funky that nobody does like if you if you do a UMS workout you're gonna do the same kind of bench pressing and the same kind of squatting that other people are doing well the thing is and the reason why it's revolutionary is because it's the efficiency model that's bucking the trend it's 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 sort of uh, it works because of social psychology. People are time poor. People are trying to look at more efficient ways of doing things. And the, the better way to train now is not actually this, the, the, the lit, like what would be written in the literature, the better way to train. The better way to train is, f f by all due respects, if you want to get the absolute best result, to separate your strength training and your flexibility training into different workouts. For sure. But the problem is that no one has time for that. Yeah. Who has time for that? And so what we're finding is, and we did this, we did this for years, you know, we did it personally and we tried to encourage our members to do it, but no one did it. We ended up falling off the wagon because to train for two, uh, to train for like, <coughs> you know, four hours, two to four hours a day just wasn't realistic. And, it, and you also have all these other macro factors coming into play like your energy levels, like your work day, your, you know, your career obligations, family obligations, all these things. And, and all of a sudden that afternoon workout just gets, just yeah. gets derailed, just, you know? And the so the reason why we get such good results and the reason why we truly believe it's the better way to train is because it bucks the trend, it, it, it challenges the status quo, but people get it done. And the fact that people get it done and they enjoy it and they are consistent and their training frequency skyrockets. They go all of a sudden from doing, you know, a couple of workouts a week at best to doing five or six every week because of the momentum they start to build. It has this snowball effect. And when you look at a snapshot of one of our members in a year compared to anyone else that I've seen, I've seen people do lifestyle transformations in a 12-week transformation program where they do pretty amazing things, but they just tra transform their physique. Mm. That if you ask them to come into the gym and demonstrate what they've learned, or you know, show show us some skills, show us how your body moves, they're, they're crap. You know, yeah. they get a physique transformation only. Uh, but if you if you look at a snapshot of a six to twelve month member here at Unity Gym doing UMS to a six to twelve month member anywhere else, I have never seen anything come close. Well, I have, but they train twice a day or for three two or three hours a day. Yeah. So if if we make that clarity, it's for, it's for training for five days a week. Uh, one hour a day. Yeah, I, I haven't seen it anywhere else, and we and we throw the challenges out there on social media. And, yeah, but and if I you see. look at if you look, I don't like. Okay, I'll, I'll I'll elaborate a little bit more. If you take the entire medium of our gym, our members, and our and medium of our members online, you you can hand pick individuals who are just 
total outliers who somehow find six hours a day to exercise, of course they're going to outperform yeah. anyone else, you know. Yeah. But look at their life balance. Yeah. You know, they're not, they're not, <laughs> they're outliers. Yeah. You know, they're athletes, essentially. Yeah. Professional athlete that just has to train, eat, sleep, and maybe a bit of sex on the side. That's, yeah. you can outperform anyone. Of course, of course. you can, you know. Mm. But I'm talking about real people who got to work for nine hours, 10 hours, 11, 12 hours a day, have families. Yeah. They're crushing the vast majority of people, yeah. you know. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Joseph Gilbert is saying, he's a new member of our UMS online coaching. He's saying he loves that he's able to get so much accomplished in just six hours per week. And Christy has said in, in response to the question of the day and what I asked, she's saying the marketing for P90X for the muscle confusion concept is what got her in there. Uh, at first, she saw gains and then started researching weightlifting and realized that their theory wasn't going to help me uh, reach my goals. So yeah, that's, uh, that's that's absolutely absolutely right. That's what happens. So look, if we get if we get back on track here for what we were for the for the, the discussion of the day, what we want to really talk about is, um, you know, the fastest path to real strength development is by doing what works and what's been proven to work. And at for for most people, until you get to the intermediate or advanced level, and you've got to. You've got to really understand what we mean. If you break down people into three categories, into beginners, intermediate, and advanced, and there could be a, a 1.5 category, which is trained beginners, you know, advanced are people that are right up there as high, as high as high level you can be. We're talking Olympic athletes. Intermediate is sitting between beginner and advanced, and beginner is everybody else. And if you think about that, where do you sit on that? Even Yanni and I and Richard, as far as gymnasts go, we're considered trained beginners. We are barely pushing into the intermediate level. So have a think about where you are. So now when you're a beginner, the biggest bang for your buck comes from simple movements that you don't need to think too much about what's going on and you can just focus on trying to palpate the muscle, get the reps done and increase the weight. So this is what the topic of today is about. It's about the idea that where people go wrong is that they, so there's lots of different ways to progress your training through periodization. You know, you can change the rep range that you do, you can change the rest, you can change the exercise selection, you can change the tempo. There's there's a lot of different variables Inter you can do. Inter and interset loading yeah. variables. Yep, you can change the exercise selection. But the last variable that you should change when you're in that beginner or trained beginner state is the exercise complexity, meaning moving to a more complex exercise that's harder to do. And this is unfortunately, for a lot of beginners, the first variable that they change. Yep. It's the first thing that they do. They train for three months and then they start looking around and they look for the more lot of, It's what a lot of coaches do. Yeah. You know, a lot of personal trainers yeah, think that that's the best way to, to you could, because, and here's the thing, you know, we're going to draw a line in the sand. You know, are you a trainer or an entertainer? And this is one of the biggest problems when you lack education and a bit of skin in the game and you haven't produced good results for, for, for years and years and years consistently, then you're unsure of yourself. You lack confidence. And yep. so you feel like the be best way to keep clients yep. or to grow your client base is to entertain them so they keep coming back. Yeah, I, I want to give a good example of this. I was down at Lavender Bay with my son the other day and we were just sitting down there. He was playing and I looked over and there was a personal trainer doing a session with two dudes. And my God, have I, it's been a while because we have our own gym now. So we're not, we don't see other personal trainers training, but it's been a while since I saw a trainer entertaining rather than training. Mm. And these dudes were doing single arm kettlebell overhead traveling lunges. Oh, God. And then they were doing, 
They were laying on their back and doing weight plate like tuck-ups, like V-ups, where they had a weight plate in their hands and they were bringing, snapping their legs up and bringing the weight plate together. And every single rep, they had an arched back, which yeah. means they weren't engaging their abs at all. And the trainer was just standing there talking to somebody else while yeah. they were doing it. Now, you should see what we do at Unity Gym and in the UMS, the way, the amount of hollow body work that we do with somebody to get them to be able to engage their abs it makes some of the most advanced people feel like absolute beginners when we show them the level of control that we look for in abdominal engagement before we start even doing tuck-ups and straddle-ups and V-ups. And these dudes, they are like they wouldn't have been able to do a, a, even hollow body rocks, I don't reckon. And they were doing a core exercise that would be reserved for elite gymnasts, yeah. you know. And it and this dude wasn't even over there going, you know, this is what you gotta do, you gotta engage this, you gotta engage that. He just given them something to entertain them. And I was, yeah, it was just funny. It actually made me feel really good about how far we've come with our uh, <laughs> methods and our training to look at that. And yeah, uh, yeah. And look, all, mo most trainers go through that phase. I certainly did. Oh, I did, no for sure. no clue what I was for sure. doing. But look, what we want to just make really clear here is that, you know, movement complexity is the, is the biggest hurdle. It's the biggest roadblock. Coordination, I should say, is the biggest <laughs> roadblock to strength development, strength and flexibility development. I'll reiterate that again. When I say strength today, I'm meaning strength and flexibility. Mm. And the reason is because you've got to remember that the, the vast majority of uh, the adaptation, once you go beyond muscular hypertrophy, that's the enlargement of your muscle cells. Uh, once you go beyond muscular hypertrophy, the enlargement and the strengthening of the actual muscle fiber, the cell itself, then all of the other adaptations that are occurring are in the nervous system. And in the nervous system, there are six adaptations to strength. And they all require repetition. They all require repetition, 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 and then progressive overload, and then more repetition, repetition, repetition. And it's very, very difficult to progress coordination. When you introduce a complex movement pattern that requires really high levels of coordination, it immediately creates a roadblock to, roadblock to strength development. And this is why no good coach does it beyond once you learn what we refer to as the foundation movements. And this is why we've built the entire unified movement system around 15 foundational strength movements and then a series of, I think, roughly five or six foundational flexibility movements. Everything is built around those. They are the benchmark movements, they're the movements we use to assess, set benchmarks and progress strength and flexibility. Now, the reason why they're used is because they are the most popular strength movements. They're, 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 they're used un unanimously across the board by all sporting codes, strength coaches, sports exercise scientists to create a strong body. Uh, they're movements like the back squat, the barbell deadlift, the bench press, the overhead press, the pull up or chin up, behind the head shoulder press. Uh, we use then a, a bunch of complementary movements that help Step to demonstrate up, rotator squats. cuff strength, unilateral yeah. movements in the lower body. We use dumbbell uh, uh, pressing and pulling movements to demonstrate unilateral balance. And these are movements that we haven't made up. They're not fancy. They're simple movements 
there's a there's a level of complexity to them. If you've never learned to do a barbell back squat, then there's a level of complexity you have to overcome uh, to learn that movement and to dial it in. Which is why we have uh, you know programs like the Technique Optimizer that takes you and 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 turns you into a master at those 15 movements. But you you know beyond that. Uh, from time to time, we introduce a little bit of animal flow, usually in our mobility drills, but it's not something that we, it's something we sprinkle on, on the top, like the, it's not even the icing on the cake, it's the sprinkles on the icing. And, and the reason, and there's always a very specific purpose for it. If you were to use those movements constantly, continually in your workout, you get stronger and more proficient at those movements, but they have very little carryover to anything else, you know. And, and, and it's very, very important that people understand that. that training is about, you know, building strength, flexibility, uh, load capacity, you know, and we're going to go deeper into that in tomorrow's discussion, the role of your trainer or coach or the program that you should be doing, you know. Uh, unfortunately, this is why many, many people don't develop strength. You know, they, you, you can create a sweat session quite easily by, you know, jumping around and getting the heart rate up. When, when, when so the easy. only goal is to get the heart rate up, then that's easy. You get away with that by being an entertainer, you know. But you've got to remember that there's, there's, there's so many more reasons why we train. And, and anyone who's trained for a little while uh, understands this, that the most important reason for training is you know, load capacity, strength development, flexibility development, and those two coupled together increase load capacity because that creates a, a body that's resilient in the real world. So let's just say hypothetically, you choose to deploy your new athletic prowess that you've been training for a year, you've hired a trainer, you've invested a truckload of money, you've trained for a year, and then one of your friends says, let's go for a run, or let's enter a half marathon, or let's start playing touch footy or soccer or, uh, or football or uh, uh, any other sport, rock climbing, uh, any sort of hobby, golf, you know, tennis. Uh, you want to hope that the training, the, 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 the skin you've put into the game for that year, the investment in your money carries over to that thing that you've just decided to do. And the problem is that if you have just had an entertainer for that whole year, guess what? Mm. It doesn't. Yeah, I, and you go out on the playing field, you hit your first tennis ball, and you hurt yourself. Yeah. You know. My, my final thought for this is that um, when you look at the difference between training to be entertained or training for results, I think that training to be entertained is something that for a lot of people, it, it's almost the only way that they can get started. Like when they, when you train, when you realize the way that you've got to train for results, there is a lot of repetition. It's not as mentally stimulating. You're not turning up every day and doing something new. And for a lot of people, that deters them. They feel like they, you know, they, they want something that just keeps their mind occupied while they're doing it. And that's why these muscle confusion things and, you know, workouts of the day and stuff really appeal to a lot of people. But once you get past that initial you know, uh, burst of inspiration to, to train and you, you, you go through that. I, what I've noticed is it's usually about the six month mark, but for some people, maybe a bit longer. You start to actually look at your body and what you've achieved. And if you haven't seen a, an objective increase in muscle tone and definition, you know, a reduction in fat loss, plus an increase in strength, 
flexibility, athletic performance, you'll start to get really disheartened. And that, that, those training sessions that entertain you start to become something that won't keep you going anymore. And at that point, for the majority of people, that's the point where they stop training. Mm. That's, that's, that's why well, so- they go and look for something new. They go new and fat. look for something new, and all that happens is that the cycle restarts, the cycle restarts. And then you look at people after they've done that cycle enough, and three or four or five years later, and if you, you look at them, they act objectively to look at them, they actually look like they've almost gotten worse. Because as you age, if you're not seeing these in improvements, well, you're going backwards. Yep. But then you look at people that do something like the UMS, that apply themselves to something that works, and it's totally different. Yeah. You look at what happens over five years, and they are stronger and more flexible than they've ever been, and they can demonstrate that through movement skills like yeah. calisthenics or weightlifting or whatever it is. Yeah. And you really want to decide, like if you're going to invest this time and money, you know, what do you want at the end of a 12-month of a period? Do you want to look back on it and go, yeah, that was a really entertaining time? Or do you want to look back on it and go, look at what I've done? Yeah, where I was, look where I'm at now. The, the answer, and I'll answer that question, is you want the fastest path to strength. Yeah. You want the fastest path to strength. And in, and in order to do that, you need, you need to find someone who understands strength development, who understands the six neurological adaptations to strength, who understands the, the science of muscular hypertrophy, and you want someone who understands that coordination is the biggest limiting factor in strength and flexibility development. And if they don't understand that, and they're entertaining you, then immediately start looking for a better coach. Guys, that's all we got time for today. Uh, tomorrow, we are going to continue this discussion. We're going to be talking about what the role of a coach is. The role of a coach is to increase load, capacity, strength, and flexibility. We're going to go deep into that tomorrow and how we do it in the unified movement system and why we get such incredible results with every single person, not the outliers, everyone. See you tomorrow. Health is about performance, not just body image. You better be willing to accept what you're gonna to have to do to get there. We'll start focusing on movement goals, strength goals, flexibility goals. When you nail that skill, it's there forever. The body image goal doesn't get you that far. It's the consistency and frequency that's gonna get you there. It's not the intensity. There's no shortcuts to mastery and movement. Destination doesn't change overnight, but your direction will. The gym is not the place to beat up the body that you hate. It's the place to build the body that you love. We are the gym that teaches people how to move instead of just exercise because we believe that health is about performance, not just body image.